You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation. He is Brandon Lee Gowden from Bleeding Green Nation. What's up, BLG? Uh, Stats, no one cares. Let's get into the show. Wow, okay. Before we do, I want to remind you that we are brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL, so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNNFL only at DraftKings. It's been a week, BLG. We've got we've got owners' meetings. We've got people saying dumb things. We've got overtime proposals being thrown out. There's a lot of meat to get into on today's show. Uh, where do you want to start today, Stats? Today, I want to start with a review, because we always say, if you take the time to leave a review on the show, we will take the time to read it. So, rate, review, follow the SB Nation NFL show, leave us a five-star review, just like Lord Hades did, which I feel like lends some importance to, you know, this is Lord Hades here leaving us a review. <laughs> SB Nation NFL podcasts are excellent, five stars, but, they write, you all need to figure out a suitable punishment for RJ when he says, quote, not to interrupt, but, and then proceeds to interrupt someone mid-sentence, possibly donating a meal to Meals on Wheels or Feeding America. The interruptions must be reduced. The rest of you are great. Fight, Eagles, fight. I have consistently awarded RJ with the Oddcast LVP award since he has created his own made-up award that he wants to give to himself <laughs> regularly on his show. I know um, Rachel won it and she deserves it. Um, that much is true, but uh, yeah. So I think that's fair that we do that. And uh, it's up to you, RJ, who is definitely listening to this. Loves to say he doesn't listen to the oddcast, but actually does every single week. Doesn't miss an episode. So RJ, the ball is in your court. Yeah. By the way, I think RJ could end hunger in the United States if he donated to Meals on Wheels every time he interrupted somebody. But that's neither here nor there. We'll find a solution. But thank you for the review, Lord Hades. And again, please keep them coming. Like we said, you leave it, we read it, good, bad, or otherwise. All right, BLG, there's two topics we're going to get to on today's show. The first is teams or people that are not being honest with themselves, because we've got a couple of those, mainly your team and my team, but I found some others as well. And there is a new overtime proposal that is supposedly getting traction out there. I think it is the single dumbest overtime proposal I have ever heard. Uh, but just a reminder, the owners can do whatever they want at these league meetings. Like we always talk about the, you know, this rule was proposed by this team and that that's all well and good, but the owners could literally just decide, Hey, we're going to shorten the game to two quarters. And if 24 owners agree, then the, the games are shorter. So keep that in mind. Literally anything could happen this week. 
Uh, it is that time of year stats where the free agency waves kind of die off a little bit. Yeah, there's still obviously a, a number of interesting players out there, some big names as well. But uh, we've kind of crawled to, to a halt with that. And now instead we're talking about these rule proposals and whatnot. Um, some interesting things maybe to come out of these GM and head coach press conferences down in Florida. Uh, so that's kind of what sparked this, I think, for today's show to a little peek behind the curtain because when these teams do talk stats i think uh some teams do it better than others in terms of like hey uh we know we have to do this we they they, they're honest with themselves they're like yes we were deficient here we need to get better um they're they're accountable they're not trying to spin things and unfortunately a lot of teams do spin things because i feel like no one maybe in the world loves lying to themselves more than nfl teams do so we're here to call out the bs yeah here's a, just a quick message to nfl teams you don't have to say you're wrong for us to realize that you made a wrong decision or did something foolish we can all see it now so even if you never admit it that doesn't mean we don't see what happened and i think that a lot of teams uh could learn that lesson. I know my team can, but let's start with your Philadelphia Eagles. Cause I know that you are frustrated with them as always. You are right now, you are wearing a Kelly green hoodie, which <laughs> I, you know, I appreciate the love there. What are the Eagles not being honest about? Well, stats, this has been for a while, but kind of a big thing that has come up uh, for the Eagles is how they haven't had the most active free agency period, which isn't the end of the world. And I think they've made some good signings in terms of adding Hassan Reddick. Uh, they just recently signed Kaiser White, too, from the Chargers. Thought that was a good addition. But Eagles keep putting out this talking point about how, well, really, we count the 2018 uh, draft picks that we re-signed during the 2021 season, like Jordan Mailata and Josh Sweat and Avante Maddox, um, as moves we made this offseason. No, you don't get to like double dip like that. You don't get to make moves <laughs> during the season and then get credit for them also after the season. Like, we all praise those moves uh, at the time. So it's it's just insane to me. And it also glosses over how maybe uh, they can't make more moves in part because they've spent a lot of money unwisely and they took on the biggest dead, dead cap hit in NFL history, which has since been surpassed, I believe, with the Matt Ryan trade. But yes. uh, for Carson Wentz, like having to trade him because he ended up being a disaster and he wanted to leave Philly and uh, taking a lot of dead money on Fletcher Cox, who they brought back and then overpaid him. So there's like, it's just not true. There's There's a lot of spin here and it's frustrating that, uh, and I get obviously as a, you know, as if you're Howie Roseman, you don't, as any human being, you don't want to just like you don't love to put all your faults and flaws on display. I struggle to do that, but like, let's not act like your inact inactivity in free agency, which I think is also in part with teams or, or the Eagles being turned down by these players. Um, like, is because oh, you, you, you have these amazing players that you re signed, and that's the only reason you're not doing anything. And the other thing, too, is let's say we give them credit for that, right? Okay, great. You will give you credit for the players that you re-signed during the year. That only makes your team as good as it was last year. <laughs> right. The reason that fans and everybody wants to see active free agency periods is because they're hoping that the team gets better, that they improve, that they don't stay the same. And so when you do that, you're, you're bringing back your guys. Okay. That's cool. You think they're good players, but that's not the goal. The Eagles barely got into the playoffs last year. You want to win the division, win the Super Bowl ultimately. So how are you getting better would be my pushback to them. 
Absolutely. And I, it's just, it's the spin set. The spin kills me. Um, look, I feel like I need to clarify this all the time because people are like, oh, you hate on the Eagles so much. I want the Eagles to win more than anything. And I want my entire life, right. but I'm not going to not call a spade a spade when I see it. So the, the, this, this whole notion that like the Eagles, oh, they've made the playoffs in four out of the last five years. They love to trot that out stats. I, I almost want to make a, uh, Photoshop of like the Colts banner thing with the like the Eagles should hang a banner and at the link <laughs> that says made the playoffs in four the last other four of the last five years. And it's like, give me a break. You made the playoffs this past season as the seventh seed, which literally didn't even exist until last season, right? Um, and you got smoked in the playoffs when you made it there. So okay, great. That's like an accomplishment. And 2020, you were terrible. And 2019, they won a very weak NFC East, in part because the Cowboys collapsed. And to Carson Wentz's credit, he actually helped the team uh, revive themselves late in that season. But again, they're beating like the Giants and Washington, who are picking like what two and three or whatever it was, or like very <laughs> high in the draft. Um, so they do that. 2018, they barely make the playoffs in terms of they have the the uh, the Bears, who are resting the starters, somehow beat Kirk Cousins shocker who needed to actually win to keep the Vikings <laughs> in the playoffs. So like the point is like they've, they've barely even made the playoffs in some of these scenarios and they haven't even won in the playoffs outside of that 2018 season. And obviously the Super Bowl year, I just, and this notion too, the last thing I'll say on this, cause I, I re- repeat myself a lot, but the idea that Howie Roseman keeps putting out there that like this had to happen. It, he, he's selling it as they, the Eagles, pushed all their chips in in a wise way, and this is merely the cost of doing business now that they have to reset. That's not the case. You didn't have to make bad moves. You made bad moves (laughs) that are putting you in the spot where you're now honestly stuck in the middle. And yes, that's that's what I do say. We had this talk about you know the Steelers recently and Mitchell Trubisky, and I think it's a different thing. The Eagles right now are kind of stuck in that middle ground. They're not really interesting, and it's all just frustrating to me in terms of not really believing in this long-term vision. That's not to say they don't have a path moving forward. They have three first-round picks. It's not. I'm not saying they had the bleakest outlook in the league. I'm not saying that, but they're kind of just, I think, stuck in the middle for now. It's so weird. You could have three first-round picks and be stuck in the middle, but when you don't have the guy, the stud at quarterback, that's exactly where you can be because that's how singularly important that position is. But I totally understand where you're coming from when the team acts like they don't have a choice now as a result of decisions that they themselves made in the past. (laughs) Those things did not happen to you. You are the reason that they happened. Start acting like it. So I I get your frustration. It's, It's crazy to me that teams don't take more responsibility for their. Like, I would respect it so much more if these teams came out and said, you know what? We tried this. It didn't work out. We were wrong. And that's what the Eagles did with Carson Wentz, right? They got rid of Carson Wentz. They came, it, they just admitted we were wrong. And that was a good decision, even though it's painful to take that dead cap hit. That was the right thing to do. But they don't ever like to say it. They like to admit it in their actions, but they don't like to actually say it with their words. And that's frustrating. Well, I do think, you know, obviously actions speak louder than the words and it is important to watch oftentimes what they do and not just what they say, but um you know, going beyond the Eagles stats, I want to talk about your 49ers because that's part of what made me think of this as well. And it was only, what, maybe a month ago, I asked you, what are you going to do if the 49ers end up bringing Jimmy G back this season? Like, what do you have to do? And if I'm not mistaken, I believe you said you're going to jump into a lake. I live in Connecticut. There's not that many lakes around. So I figured that was a pretty safe bet to make. <laughs> And yet every time the 49ers speak, 
they get me closer to that damn water pretty much <laughs> because they keep talking about how there's a scenario where Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the team next season and how they're not going to cut Jimmy Garoppolo. This is, this is the ridiculous position that the 49ers have put themselves in. And they think like they're, they're smarter than everybody. According to John Lynch, they can't cut Jimmy Garoppolo because he's too good of a player. Yet John Lynch also said they didn't get a single trade offer for Jimmy Garoppolo. So he's too good to cut, but he's not good enough that anybody else wants him at any price. Make that make sense. They can't. It doesn't make sense. And none of this makes sense in terms of drafting Trey Lance to be the guy. I mean, the only thing I can honestly feel about that is that they legitimately believe Trey Lance isn't good like at all and they took him and it's like it's almost like it's different not the same thing obviously because Carson Wentz was playing and struggling and, and like you could actually see he was bad and he needed and same thing with the Colts kind of last year but maybe the the 49ers feel like it's a sunk cost already um that's pretty unfortunate and it's also kind of questionable how they would reach that conclusion when he hasn't played very much in the NFL in terms of regular season snaps. But uh, that's, that's the only thing I can, that's how I make sense of it is they just think he Trey Lance is bad and will never be good. And that's the frustrating part. It's like, they don't realize that every time you continue to, to talk up Jimmy Garoppolo and keep Jimmy Garoppolo, you are casting doubt and throwing shade at Trey Lance. It's like they don't understand that. That's the only conclusion that you can make given what they are doing. And like literally Kyle Shanahan said today at the at the uh, owners meetings, he's not worried about Trey Lance's development in a scenario in which Jimmy Garoppolo remains on the team. Quote, Trey isn't an insecure guy. I think the situation makes sense to him. No, Kyle, the situation doesn't make sense to anybody and if you can't see how keeping Jimmy Garoppolo on the team, who's beloved by the players in the locker room, if you can't see how that would make life harder for Trey Lance, if he then becomes the starting quarterback, you're a moron. Like you're an idiot. You literally grew up in the NFL. Kyle Shanahan should know this. If you have Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster and Trey's the starter, every struggle that he has is going to be exacerbated. Every time he, if he loses a game, People are going to say, Jimmy Garoppolo would have won that game. Why aren't we starting Jimmy Garoppolo? This is ridiculous. Look at Jimmy Garoppolo's record. You're going to make life so much harder on Trey Lance. And that even happened. We have a perfect example of that in the division. The Seahawks with Russell Wilson. When he started over Matt Flynn, he struggled a little bit early because everybody will. And guys in the locker room are, were grousing about why are we starting this rookie? Why, what are we doing? Why aren't we going with Matt Flynn? And that's Russell freaking Wilson, who, by the way, is really good. So, like, I... I cannot believe that they actually believe this. I can't. There's no way. How can they be that dumb? Explain it to me. I, again, I think teams love to lie to themselves more than anything, Stats. And I think the 49ers, like, well, we went to the NFC Championship game in two of the last three seasons. So it's really not the worst thing if we bring him back and if we just continue to bring Trey Lance along slowly. But you're just wasting two years of his rookie contract. Like that's part of the that's part of the biggest advantage you have of drafting a quarterback. Uh, and them being potentially good is, you know, you and obviously taking at number three is a little bit different than finding someone maybe a day two or three pick. The bargain isn't as great, but it's a lot better than paying them, you know, whatever the going rate is for a quarterback. Now we talk about, you know, over 30 million dollars a year. So, uh, yeah, it's it's wasted time. It's not even if even in the best case scenario, 
that the 49ers are envisioning not saying your best case scenario stats or 49ers fans but like their best case scenario potentially where they bring jimmy g back for another season and they're competitive and trey lance is continuing to grow and even if trey lance like takes over for jimmy g let's say in 2023 and he's great again you still wasted two years of his rookie contract like it's just it's not a great situation it's a ridiculous situation and it's not just his contract this is the last year that Nick Bosa, you know, maybe is going to be cheap because they're trying to work out an extension for him. Same thing with Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk's contract is going to be coming. You know, everybody's contract is totally. It's mm-hmm. not just them. George Kittle's cap hit is about to go sky high because he signed his new deal. Same thing with Fred Warner. Like, and I know the cap's going up, but it doesn't matter. You can't. That doesn't mean you could just spend money foolishly or ignore it. Like. It's absurd. It is absurd how they moved heaven and earth to trade up to get Jimmy Garoppolo's replacement, and now they won't move a finger to get rid of him. Just cut this guy. Just cut him. What? There is, you get 25, or you get 18 million because he can't pass a physical, so there's an injury guarantee, but you get that money back eventually. But you're getting Mm -hmm. at least $18 million. You're getting rid of a potential quarterback controversy in a split locker room. There's no point to keeping him. You're not tricking anyone. Oh, his trade value. Where's he going to go? There's one team left, the Carolina Panthers. That's it. There's no, you don't have any leverage there. There's no, there is no trade value to preserve. And and this whole keep him for training camp and pray that another quarterback suffers a major injury just because Teddy Bridgewater got hurt one time. It's absurd. Hope is not a strategy. And the Mm. 49ers have screwed up this quarterback situation from the second Trey Lance was drafted and they've screwed up quarterback decisions from the second Kyle Shanahan got in San Francisco. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I want to pivot in the NFC West, if you'll allow me stats, and sure. go to the team that Russell Wilson used to play for that you just mentioned, the Seattle Seahawks. Because what is the vision? Like, what are the, what are the Seahawks really actually doing? We said <laughs> it many times during the season last year. It was just so obvious that they needed a reset. And I think that meant trading Russ, 
and bringing in a new head coach. Like, why? What is Pete Carroll doing? Like, why is he still there? Like, what is he there? <laughs> what is he there for? So he can coach Drew Locke to what? Like, what in that division? Like, what is the point of any of this? And maybe they get Baker Mayfield. Okay, does that really move the needle significantly? I think. It, I think to be clear, I think Baker Mayfield will be an upgrade on Drew Locke, but that's not really saying much. Again, in that division, so like. What are they doing? Like, if, if they're going to go in on a rebuild, like, just do that. It seems like they're kind of trying to do that. Like, I think they're lying to themselves that they're going to be much more competitive than they really are. Oh, I think and they're going to get worse because Pete Carroll was asked at the owners meetings today about DK Metcalf and his future with the team. And he literally said, oh, we don't intend to trade DK Metcalf, which is the exact same language he used talking about Russell Wilson while they were in trade talks with the Broncos to trade Russell Wilson. So I don't think they're done tearing this thing down, BLG. I could see them potentially getting rid of Metcalf and um, Tyler Lockett, potentially, if they get a good enough offer, which I think they will because those guys are are good players. I don't get it either unless they're saying, hey, look, we're just going to take it on the chin this year and next year, you know, we'll draft somebody maybe or you know, maybe make a big trade for somebody. We've got the extra picks from the Russell Wilson deal. You know, maybe we could use that to help ourselves. But I agree. Like, I don't, if you want to rebuild, rebuild, but don't do a half measure. Well, it's like, what are they doing though? Because you give Will Disley, who's like a blocking tight end, and you just traded for Noah Fant, right? You give him like this big deal. Okay, he's like this long-term piece for you. But then you also re-sign Quandre Diggs, who's a good player, but you're paying him like top of the market money. And I believe he's like 29, 30. I just like, it seems like they're trying to stay competitive somewhat now, but I just, I don't get it. I just don't get, I don't see a, a solid vision here, like a unified vision. It seems like it's it's muddled and right, not rightfully so, but like understandably so, I guess from Pete Carroll being there, Pete Carroll wants to win. He's not coaching in his seventies because he's there to like, you know, oversee a rebuild, but that's why he shouldn't be there. That's my point. It's, it's, and it's not even saying that Pete Carroll sucks now and like he should be fired because he's not a good coach or anything. It's just that like, he doesn't fit their timeline anymore. Um, it's almost like they should have traded him in the offseason. I wonder, like, I feel like you could have gotten something for him. Um, that's a whole different story. It's a whole different uh, rabbit hole to go down. But I, I just don't think the Seahawks are being honest with themselves at all. And go down the Sean Payton path. Just retire if you're Pete Carroll for a year. Take a year off. Go somewhere else next year. You know, God knows there's going to be head coaching openings next year, and I'm sure he'd be able to get a job. I, I agree. Like, the sticking around for this year, like, I, it doesn't – I don't – I don't know what his plan is. I just like, great. Enjoy, you know, a five or six win season. Um, speaking of lost seasons and maybe somewhere that Pete Carroll can end up. Uh, how do you think he feels about Charlotte, Carol- North Carolina? Because what, like this whole Panther season, like, isn't it just DOA? Don't we all know it's going to be like <laughs> a, a disaster. They struck out on Deshaun Watson, obviously well, last year, which is what spurred the, same Darnold trade, which was a disaster. And now they're absolutely going to take like Kenny Pickett or Malik. They have to, they have no other option than to take a quarterback at number six. Like what else are they going to do? Run it back with Darnold. That's not a real plan. And the thing about uh, where they're, where they're at number six, I don't think there's necessarily a guarantee they're going to get that quarterback there that they want, because you look at the giants at number five, I mean, they also pick at seven. The Giants could very easily be like, hey, we're comfortable with moving out of that pick. And teams, if you want a quarterback, you have to get ahead of Carolina because they want right. one. So yep. like, so does that now mean further that the Panthers not only have to take a quarterback, which isn't you know the most enticing 
prospect in this year's class. They get their second they, choice. <laughs> but they have to or they have to trade up to get that guy and pay a yeah. premium. And at a time where like, do you really want to give up future picks just to save potentially like the Matt Rule era? Because he could easily be gone next year. So like I think they're in a really bad spot. And I think they're lying to themselves when it comes to like I don't know, I guess anything that they're doing. Like, this is fine. We can just totally uh, ride it out. Um, I, I I don't know. I feel like almost it's, – it's just it feels like this is a lame duck season for them, and it's just a waste of a year. Well, that's why I hold out hope as the Panthers being a destination for Jimmy Garoppolo because of everything you said, right? First of all, Matt Rule has to win this year. He's definitely going to get fired. Second of all, though, if you're David Tepper, like, do you want to let Matt Rule pick the quarterback when he's potentially not going to be there next year? Like, that doesn't make any sense, right? Like, because then you're going to be stuck with this quarterback that the new coach maybe doesn't want. So that doesn't make sense. That's why I think that Jimmy Garoppolo, they can sell that. The Niners can sell Garoppolo to the Panthers because you could say to Matt Rule, you can say what you want about this guy, Matt. He wins. And that's what you need more than anything, right? This guy wins games. He's going to be good enough to save your job and you can come up with another quarterback plan, you know, a year from now or two years from now, whatever. He can be your bridge that keeps you above the water, you know, keeps your head above water and then you can figure it out and it won't cost you that much to get him. We'll do it for a third round pick. How about that? Would you save your job? Would you be willing to trade a third round pick to save your job? Yes. Good. Here's Jimmy Garoppolo. You're just trying to speak this into existence. That's you're trying to manifest this. Um, who who are your teams? Because I've given you two. Well, I'm actually going to go back to the NFC East. Wow. And I hate, I hate to pick on a team when they're down, but they're always down. So I'm going to the Washington commanders and Ron Rivera, who said at the owners meetings that the franchise is quote, an easy target. Mm. I'm tired of it. I wonder the why. The only way to fix it is to win. Ron, if you're tired of it, you picked the wrong team to coach. <laughs> they have an almost unblemished record of, Horrible decisions, horrible decisions on the field, horrible decisions off the field, horrible ownership. They're an easy target because they're terrible at every part of this. And like, they are not the victim. So I don't know what Ron Rivera, you know, he's talking about here. If you're tired of it, go talk to your owner. Cause that's who the finger gets pointed at. I think Washington fans are, are generally pretty liberalistic about their, franchise's outlook because they know how bad the ownership is they're under (laughs) under no delusions about that but i almost feel like at the same time being a a commander's fan which is still a funny thing to say requires a big level of lying to yourself because you know that the hope is limited by the ownership and not even just like it's not even just dan snyder it's like the whole thing the whole operation which starts with him um and obviously he's a big culprit but it's just like the whole operation is wrong and i think this is a great pick by you stats and i'm glad i didn't have to do it because you know it's too easy (laughs) it's a low-hanging fruit for me to do it but what team is lying to themselves more than the team that is like hey we just need carson wentz on his third team in three years with the (laughs) franchise that just gave up on him when they had his biggest proponent remaining in the NFL. Like this will fix it for us. This is going to not only save my job as Ron Rivera, but like, this is going to get us back on track. We're going to be great. Um, I mean, even if they don't view Carson Wentz that way, as like the franchise savior. And even if he's just like some kind of bridge and they're going to draft someone, which I'm not so sure that is the case. 
you're just wasting time and you paid a premium to do it. Like it's just, what, what are you accomplishing? You're, you're just lying to yourselves thinking that you are going to be the ones to finally like make Carson Wentz work again. Like how, how can you possibly think that? Like, like what makes you believe that you can do that? I think they're definitely lying to themselves. And it's illogical because like, if you had the tools and the capacity to take a quarterback and do that, why wouldn't Heineke just be a lot better, right? Like, why couldn't you transform one of the people you already have to be this guy, yet you're going to somehow do it with Carson Wentz? I mean, that article in The Athletic that came out after that trade, like, the Colts knew before the season started that things were going to go wrong? Like, how could you read that article and think that that's the guy you need to trade for? And not only trade for him, give up picks and pay all of his Mm -hmm. money. It's absurd. Yeah, and again, like so they can get out of it after this year, whatever, money-wise. But you're still paying what, like twenty-eight million or whatever it is this season, and that's that's twenty-eight million. They could have gone, or I could have gone into investing into the roster in much more long-standing and productive ways. Or even if you didn't spend it at all and you rolled it over for next year, and you have that cap space to work with for the future, like it's just it's not use it or lose it. <laughs> like that cap space is really valuable, and you know, obviously something they did at quarterback was going to cost some amount of money, but to that extent to trade for this player, it's just, again, another team that how do you have any hope going into the, what is the best case scenario? The best case scenario is that Carson Wentz is something maybe like, you know, the 2019 version of himself where he's like a top 13 kind of quarterback. Like I think that's the optimal, like realistic best case scenario. And at that stage, you're, you're like, what you you're maybe, winning the NFC East at like nine and eight or 10 and seven or something. And, and you're getting into the playoffs and you're maxing out at one, like, what is the ceiling here? And I just don't see how high the ceiling is for Washington at all. And maybe they don't care about that in terms of like Ron Rivera just feels like he needs to get back to the postseason just to, to keep giving himself another year. It, he doesn't feel like he had, he's not at a stage where like it's Super Bowl or bust. Washington isn't anything like that. He's almost just trying to like race out to the middle so he can just buy himself more time. But the problem is you do that. And then I think you get stuck there. But the, the league is literally set up for every team to have hope. They love to tout that stat about teams going from worst to first and how many new playoff teams there are every year. That The league is designed for you to have hope. And yet, like you've laid out, Washington, no hope. Seattle, no hope. The Panthers, no hope. You know how many bad decisions you have to make to get to that point in a league where it's literally designed for you to where you're supposed to have hope? It's incredible. But yet, here we are. I don't think anything that we have said about those teams is unfair. Yeah, and if you are a fan of one of those teams, you can tweet at us at Brandon Counten and at Stats on Fire. Would love to hear the opposite. Uh, would love to hear the counter and see your perspective. Do you have another team stats? I don't have another team. I want to get to the overtime proposal okay. because I did mention it at the top of the show. Can you present it to people? Because you actually made me aware of it this morning. And I was absolutely stunned when I read it. Like, I didn't think it was a real thing because apparently it's gaining momentum and it could be something that gets voted on this week. Yeah. So Albert Breer wrote about this for the Sports Illustrated, uh, their Monday afternoon quarterback column that he does on a weekly basis. And I guess the the short term, the short, uh, the gist of it is that uh, the owners are 
discussing something called continuation, which has been getting traction and has been, quote, floating around for a while, end quote, uh, in the league. So basically, yeah, playing uh, a game where instead of, okay, the fourth quarter ends, now it's time to start overtime. It would just be like, okay, the fourth quarter is over. Now uh, it's almost like a fifth quarter starts. And it's like going from, you know, the first to the second or the second to, or sorry, the um, the third to the fourth. And if so, the example he put is like if a team ends regulation at their own 48, uh, that's where the ball would begin. And then in the the continuation over time. Uh, And you hate this stats. This is the dumbest rule for proposed overtime I've ever heard. So what you're doing then is you're taking every late game situation where it's tied and making it less exciting, right? There's no urgency to score whatsoever. In fact, you're better off not hurrying up because <laughs> you don't want to, you know, make a dumb play, throw an interception, turn the ball over, whatever. Just take your time, run the ball, dilly dally, do whatever you want because you're going to you're going to keep the ball. So you're actually making the game less exciting by doing this. And again, I continue to say there is no problem with overtime. And anyone that thinks that there is, is just not in reality. Okay. (laughs) Over the last 10 years, there have been 12 overtime playoff games. The team that won the coin toss to start overtime won the game on the first possession seven times. So in other words, almost 50% of the time, the team that won the coin toss won the game on the first possession. That's pretty much exactly how you would want it. You would want it to be 50-50, right? Sometimes they win on the first possession. Sometimes they don't. So this, there is no problem here. There is no problem here. If you want to say that both teams should get a possession, fine. But don't tell me you're solving a problem. And don't solve it by then making the end of the fourth quarter less meaningful. That, that seems like the worst proposal that we've seen. I think it's just so funny how football, which is supposed to be, you know, like this gladiator blood sport, super tough. And in a lot of ways, things aren't fair in football. It's like, it's like the the millennial uh, trope that's often thrown out there about like participation trophies. It's like, well, we have to give everyone a turn. It's like little league. Like, what are we talking about here? Uh, I agree with you stats. I think this is silly. It just doesn't even make, like, it's not consistent. How is this consistent when you go from, at the end of the second half or out of the second quarter to the beginning of the third quarter, there's a halftime that, you know, the possession ends. Um, same thing, obviously with fourth quarter regularly into overtime. Like why, why are we changing it? That's, it's just like a weird thing. Um, I think the, there are problems in life where it's like, you just overthink things. You're, you're putting way too much thought into this. Uh, and for what, for, for who, like who do we really need this? I feel like, People, it's actually kind of funny stats because I feel like people usually hate change. I can I can always only ever think of you know oh Facebook you know more so back in the day not using Facebook a ton now but every time like Facebook changed their layout or oh I hate this so much it's the worst ever or Twitter does it now a lot and yes it is bad a lot of the times or at least at first you get used to it I don't know that that applies here I don't I guess we would get used to it because we'd have no other choice but it's just like. Why do we need to change things? As it feels like for the sake of changing things, like it's just, I don't get it. I don't understand the need for it. I really don't feel like they need to change it. I don't feel like they need to change it either. Mike Tomlin just said he doesn't fear sudden death. I actually 
I was against them changing the rules when it was sudden death, but I think now I do like the the fact that it's not sudden death because like if a team gets one big play in overtime mm-hmm. that gets them in field goal range, the like game's not automatically penalty. over. Yeah, yeah. like uh, it's actually been better. So I was wrong about that. But if your big problem is that you think the coin toss is deciding the game, there are much better ways to get around that than just continue playing the game as if the end of the fourth quarter doesn't matter. Like that's that that is making such a big fundamental change to solve a problem that there are much, much easier ways to solve. Just play an extra 10 minutes. That takes mm. care of it. That that makes the coin toss far less important than if you do this crazy continuation continuation. Well, that's absurd. It's that is dumb, but it could happen because if 24 owners vote for it, that that'll be the rule. I wonder if it would be like permanent though. You remember everyone had to change past interference being reviewable. Like, do we don't, I feel you don't talk about that enough, by the way, just like the whole NFL decided because Sean Payton was a big baby and was crying that they had to change past interference being reviewable. And they did for a season. It was so dumb and they obviously changed <laughs> it back and they never really talked about it again after that. Um, is that what happens here? I wonder if they like Could just be. give it a trial and see how it goes. And honestly, I'm fine with that. I, I think I've long said, if you want to try different things, NFL, for like a season on a trial basis, go ahead. Why not? If, if one season was something dumb like that, okay, whatever. It didn't work. We can try it in the future. We can change it in the future. But like to like institute this forever, I just don't love that. I just think that the reasons that it's even come up are absurd. Oh, because Patrick Mahomes didn't get the ball against the Patriots in overtime. And then Josh Allen didn't get the ball against Patrick Mahomes. Like, really? So it'd be okay if it was if it was Marcus Mariota that didn't touch the ball, right? <laughs> right. Like, it's, it's just so ridiculous. Uh, it's reactionary. People, it's a yeah, reactionary they, league in a lot yeah, of ways. There's no injustice here, people. <laughs> like, the Bills... Had all they had to do was defend the field for 15 seconds at the end of regulation, which, by the way, never would have got that finish, right? If we had this stupid continuation, because there would have been no incentive whatsoever to go down. Well, actually, wait, they were losing, weren't they? So I guess they had to tie it up. But anyway, I was wrong about that. They should have went for two. I think that doesn't get discussed enough, also. The Bills should have went for two at the end of the game. And then if they got it, then the Chiefs can't even kick a field goal, right? to tie it it's the a bills, point game right they can't defend the field for 15 seconds so now we have to change the overtime rules like <laughs> okay all right i don't get it but uh we'll see what happens uh in the owners meetings i think that i think that there will be some change to overtime this year do you think that's fair it seems like there's too much pressure in terms of like the coverage and everything and the and the, that it's being talked about it seems like it would be kind of an upset if it was just like nope we're going to keep it exactly the same it feels like yeah. there would kind of almost be some kind of outrage about that which i think is dumb but it seems like just because of almost how it's been covered and how the league has put themselves in a position where they they are talking about it that they have to do something and, and like in in terms of that's how they're going to feel again we don't feel that way but i think how they're going to feel like they feel like they we have to come to the table with some kind of new tweak or something or else we're going to lose fans like what are they even worried about like (laughs) like, people are going to stop tuning in because of this no um it's dumb but we got to keep make sure we keep the taunting rules the same make sure we're very concerned about taunting the whole league will collapse on itself if Tyreek Hill throws up a peace sign as he runs into the end zone Hey, speaking of, this really fits the theme, Stan. Speaking of, like, people lying to themselves. The league. The league lies to themselves constantly with this stuff. Like, like who is this for? That's the question. Who is the taunting rule for? Like, who is it? It's for the owners, right? Mm-hmm. 
the old like, white owners who don't like to see people having too much fun. And the owners make up what percentage of the NFL uh, watcher base, by the way? The only percentage the league cares about. <laughs> of course. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Uh, but it's just, it's silly. It's But that's, that is exactly something that, like, probably won't because the NFL is so strong, but like should cause fans to like, like, like the product, enjoy the product less is that they don't care what you think. They only care about what they think. It's not, it's not your league as the fans. It's the owner's league and you just happen to be watching it. So uh, if anything, um, but it's not like, that's the, that's, I think that's what maybe could hurt them in the long run, maybe over time, if they continue to think that way and they continue to make really bad decisions. And again, maybe not just because it's so powerful, but um, the idea that it is their league and is not the people's league when it is very much the people who power this thing in terms of a lot of the, you know, TV revenue and, and just the, the, you know, these numbers of the audiences and, and you know, all the, the, the communities and everything we have going here. Um, I think it's a long, it's a, it's a dangerous long-term thing to think that that doesn't matter. The league is succeeding in spite of itself on many levels. When I, before I started working for Mike Florio, I used to think like, hey, the NFL, you know, they must be well-run organization. They make billions <laughs> of dollars. It's super popular. They, nope. they, they must know what they're doing. No, they don't. Nope. They really, really don't. And they keep, to, they show it again and again and again that sometimes they do their best to screw things up and it doesn't matter because it's just so, so popular. That's uh, a lot of teams work the same way. I, I, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, I think a lot of people want to be like, oh, wow, the Eagles are so smart. They know what they're doing, like more than these other teams. They're so in control. And I couldn't help but think about it at the time when I wasn't even like super disillusioned with the team as I am now about how this is the same franchise that wanted to hire Ben McAdoo instead of Doug Peterson. <laughs> so like these things are pretty fragile. It's not just like they definitely always know what they're doing. And in fairness to the Eagles and everyone in life, does anyone know what they're doing? We're, we're all trying to figure this out. I feel Agreed. like stats as a parent, I'm not a parent, but you are. I feel like, like you don't know what you're doing, right? You're just trying to survive. Well, <laughs> that is the big realization you have when you become a parent is that you just kind of assumed when you were a kid that mom and dad knew yes. they knew what was up. They knew what they were doing. No, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't know a damn thing. <laughs> you find that out real quick when you're a parent. Perfect example. I was terrified uh, when my son was born, when I first became a parent, because I didn't know how to put the car seat in the car. I know you got to put the kid in the car seat and take him off from the hospital. Right. And mm -hmm. I was asking everybody before my son was born, how do you do it? How to put the, and everybody was like, don't worry. They have people at the hospital that can show you exactly how to put it in. There's firefighters at the hospital that'll put it in for you just to make sure it's in right. And I was like, Oh, okay, great. My son is born. Everything's good. It's time to take him home. And I say to one of the people in the hospital, like, Hey, can someone, where's the person that shows me how to put the car seat in? And they go, Oh, there's nobody here for that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> And I swear to God, this is what I was told. Don't worry. Your parental instincts will kick in and you'll figure <laughs> out how to get the car seat into the car. Well, spoiler alert. They didn't. I didn't have the car seat installed properly on my oh, son's no. ride home from the hospital. And it's a freaking miracle that nothing happened because that <laughs> thing was definitely not installed properly. And we found out, you know, a couple of weeks later how to actually do it. Mm. But the parental instincts did not kick in because there are no parental instincts because they've never done this before. So I guess just something to think about when you think about the, the league or your favorite team, you know, always being in control, uh, you know, not always necessarily the case. Uh, stats, I have an important question for you. 
And it's how do you feel about uh, the Will Smith Chris Rock incident? Oh, I think I think it looks <laughs> everybody looks bad. Wow, nobody looks good. It was mm. a dumb joke by Chris Rock making fun of somebody's medical condition. It was based mm. on a movie from 1997, so it's not even like a topical thing. And for Will Smith to get up there like he's you know the defender of women. And go with the open-handed slap on Chris Rock, this tiny little comedian who weighs like 140 pounds. Like, nobody looks good in the whole thing. Everybody looks pathetic. And then for Will Smith to later get up there and say he wants to be, you know, like a a source of love or whatever. Mm. It's like, you just went up and assaulted somebody on the stage. Ridiculous. Uh, I think you're wrong, Stats. And am I biased? Because, you know, Will Smith is from Philadelphia, uh, who can say for sure? But uh, I think Will Smith was actually in the right because it's not about like defending honor necessarily. You're just about that. It's about leaning into your feelings and you should lean into your feelings. And it's not like he freaking like beat Chris Rock to a bloody pulp or anything. Let's, I think everyone needs to relax being like, this is like some incredible injustice. And also the idea that like, okay, it's not great for kids. I mean, was Chris Rock saying like good for kids? There's a lot of things that the Oscars good for kids. Like that the Oscars Oscars not like the bastion of like you know morality and everything. And like kids should aspire to be you know everything that the Oscars is about. No, like that's not that's just not the reality. So uh, I will will stand up for Will Smith in this regard. Uh, and it was childish. I like mean. That- you couldn't find a way to voice your feelings. You had to go up and get violent with someone. And by the way, what if The Rock told the joke instead of Chris Rock? Is Will Smith going to go up there and smack The Rock? I don't think so. Yeah, I think he would because that's Philly, I, baby. Yeah, right. That's a fir- that's the kind of crap that got him sent to Bel Air in the first place. Oh, come on. It's stealing every joke on Twitter and, and using that. Uh, I think Will Smith was getting too much hate, I guess is my real take. Um, did he handle it perfectly? Maybe. But... Uh, this idea that like he's in the wrong mostly or like he totally embarrassed himself. I don't agree with that. Oh, but again, if you're listening, everybody to this, gets ripped on. They all get made fun of. Right. That's like that's not exciting. Stats. They're all to blame. With... You got to take a side. <laughs> <laughs> my side is sanity. They're all idiots. That's my side. That's not fun. Is Chris Rock going to host the Oscars next year? I don't know. Why can't we just Ricky Gervais hosted the Golden Globes like four times and made fun of everybody, everybody way worse than anything. Chris Rock mm. said, anybody mm. punch him? Anybody go up and slap him? No, I don't know. I can't speak to that. And also, I don't know. Maybe there's I don't know if there's a personal thing here. I, mean, I don't I'm not, you know, Mr. Hollywood insider over here knowing all these relationships. But I feel like I feel like that was motivated by something more than just in the moment. I think there was a lot of, you know, it was a confluence of. Uh, factors there that kind of got inspired him to go up. I don't think it was one little thing. Um, so, you know, maybe I'm wrong about that. I can't speak to that, obviously. But uh, in my heart of hearts, I believe that this idea, I think I saw a poll somewhere recently that was like, who is it like, you know, more to blame or who's more in the wrong? And it was like 70% or 75% Will Smith and 25% Chris Rock. And I just, I can't agree with that. All right. I'm not going to convince you. Uh, but if Will Smith was just lying in wait for his one opportunity to strike back at Chris Rock, like that's pretty pathetic too, dude. Like, come on, go squash your beef. You know, you, you, you think the Oscars is the time to settle it now? It just, it struck me as very performative BLG. Like he wanted everybody to see him go up there and, mm. you know, defend his wife and, and take down Chris Rock for this joke. It, the whole thing was very, very weird. Uh, disagree. <laughs>
How do you think Chris Rock handled it after the fact? Because that's an awkward. Like he's <laughs> yeah, supposed to just continue on with the show. <laughs> that's that that is the best part of it to me is just watching that clip and just seeing him being like, "All right, and now the award for." <laughs> it's like, wait, did that not just happen? Right. Um, but yeah, I, get, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Uh, I don't know. I think hosting the Oscars. Uh, I don't know. I, I I guess the way I think about it is that I feel like Chris Rock had this coming at some point. Um, so <laughs> it wasn't like this. Wow. What an injustice. Who could possibly do this to this man? I think he probably, he probably had it coming. And I think he knows that deep down. I supposedly everybody apologized. Now the Oscars is quote investigating. Like, wh- what do you need to in- investigate? Like go on video. <laughs> we happened? all saw it, right? Like, what do we, there's nothing to investigate. I we love all the all headlines the too that like have to say seemingly, I guess, because like they don't know a hunt, like they don't want to, or they don't want to be liable for like you know saying something that in case like the, by the off chance that he didn't actually make physical contact him, which we, we obviously you know we know he did. But I love all those headlines I've I've seen on like CNN. Everyone's like Will Smith seemingly hits Chris Rock. It's like <laughs> we all saw it. <laughs> You know, did we think Will Smith like dipped into his Ali training too when he was smacking Chris Rock? Because like he he was great in Ali. He looked convincing in the movie. It really is the Batman meme where the bat. You know, which yeah. obviously seen him posted <laughs> Batman smack. Who's he smacking? Robin or whoever it is? He's smacking uh, Robin. Yeah, yeah. It's like literally, it looks just like that, like the inverse of that image. Uh, it's it's kind of wild. Um, yeah. All right. Well. I promise if we're ever in the same room, you can say whatever you want and I will not physically attack you, mostly because you're like three feet taller than I am. <laughs> I can't make the same promise stats. You right. never know. See? I'm a wild That's card. the thing. If I said something and you went up to me and well, you'd have to like swing down to actually make contact with me. But like, it's a little different than if you said something and then I go and attack you, like I'd have a little more credibility because you're a giant. I think part of this that maybe is... Maybe not. I don't know. I can't speak to being unique to Philly because obviously I'm biased again and I don't have the perspective of elsewhere. But the idea to me of brotherly love speaks to like, you know, you can say something about your brother, but you can't someone else can't talk trash about your brother. That's not cool. Um, And also the idea of like sometimes you just at least in in my family, I talked about this before, like in my family, you you have an issue with someone, you get it out there, you say it, you don't sugarcoat it. You just get it out in the open and then you work through it. But like, you know, you give it an hour, 30 minutes, whatever. And you don't take it personally after that. It's out there. You get it. It's done. So like, to me, maybe that's what uh, Will Smith felt like he had to do. He had to do this. It's not, it's not like, Hey, I want to like kill this guy now. And like it ruined his life and his family. It's like, I had to do this. I had to get it out. And now we can move on. Well, first of all, that sounds like a, a very healthy family dynamic for you. <laughs> Definitely not everybody has that, so you should be grateful for that. Uh, let us know what you think. Where do you come down on the whole thing? Again, uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Stats on Fire. He's at Brandon Gowden, or you could uh, leave your thoughts in a review on iTunes, hopefully yes. with a five-star rating. That's going to do it for us, everybody. Enjoy your Tuesday. Rate, review, follow the SB Nation NFL show. Hopefully teams can get a little of uh, the honesty that we've been talking about, but don't hold your breath. We'll talk to you next week. From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. 
Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com VIYA.